You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. time once again for another installment of the world famous outlaws and gunslingers podcast coming fresh hot off of our uh most sadistic episode that we've ever done i think we've done a that lot dude of was crazy we've done a lot of uh stuff on some weird people but uh or some uh psychos but this guy huh this guy huh this guy, huh? Uh, moving out of that into something with so many killings, or from something with so many killings, into something that has absolutely not one death, but plays an important role in um, gang activity slash, uh, well, yeah, sets the tone for the 40s and 50s gang stuff, and which we will be covering the next few episodes, mainly California gangs for now until we move into the later part of the decade with the uh, uprising of the New York squads and Chicago, Midwest, all that kind of stuff. So here we are, moving in the gang world, pre uh, pre nineteen seventies gang worlds. So we got a lot of gang stuff to go already. Getting, yeah, the fifties and sixties, forties, fifties, sixties. Get those little little punk bands, punk bands, punk little punk bands. Those little punk gangs. I'm sure there's not a lot of stories about those little high school guys when they first get their little license. But before we get to that, we are going to cover the world famous. Wait, was uh. Outsiders considered greasers? No. Yes. Were they? Yes. Really? Yes. Hmm. And Deuce is Wild, oh. which you still haven't seen. What, the show? Shame. The movie, Deuce is Wild. No, the movie Deuce is Wild. Isn't it called Deuce is Wild or... Oh, it's Deuces with uh, James Franco. No, it's called The Deuce. The Deuce. Moving on from that, <laughs> uh, we're going to cover the Zoot Suit Riots of Zoot the 1940. I believe it was 43. As usual, before we get into the actual riots, we'll give you a little bit of background on what led up to it and the current um, racial situation in California oh. due to uh, Mexicans being immigrated uh, to work the border states after the uh war and all that good stuff so right obviously california was originally part of mexico before becoming part of the united states everybody knows that right uh due to this history there's always been a large latino population in california right during the early 20th century many new mexicans immigrated for work to the u.s border states with needed workers such as texas arizona and coincidentally california they were mm-hmm. recruited by farmers for work on the large farms and also worked throughout those states in non-agricultural jobs right, anything to put their hands on right They'll get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll do it. All right. During the Great Depression in the 1930s, or at least, the United States deported between 500,000 and 2 million people of Mexican descent. Well, did they say up to 2 million? But no less than 5 Between, f- is it some varies figure? They I mean, f- some uh, figures vary. Right. Just, just like the Holocaust is 
between two million and six million. <laughs> so anyway, they deported between five hundred thousand and two million people of Mexican descent, including the illegal expulsion of up to one point two million <laughs> United States citizens. They were like, "This is our chance to get rid of them all. Right. Let's, let's just deport, round them up." Wow. <laughs> Wait. So that's including that. So it's got to be at least one million then. Up to 1.2 million. So, oh, jeez. <laughs> right. Come on. Uh, <laughs> in order to reduce demands on limited American economic resources, they're like, you guys got to go. In order to reduce demands on limited American economic resources by deporting Americans. Well, <laughs> they came from Mexico. And legal expulsions of U.S. citizens. They're citizens. Yeah, they became citizens. Yeah. No, oh. probably people that were born here, too. Yeah, they were Mexican. Like anybody that was Mexican, we're rounding you up and we're putting you back to Mexico, you go. Don't worry. Don't don't feel like you're being isolated. And about, uh, I don't know, 30 years from now, we're going to do the same thing to the Chinese or the uh, Asian people. 30 years. This is in the 30s. When did they do that? In the, in the during, during World War II. World War II, yeah. So in about 15 years, 10 years from now. Yeah, but they didn't be. deport them. They just put them in camps. <laughs> same thing. What would you rather do, be deported to be free in another country or be in an internment camp? Well... Well, it depends on how rich or poor I was. In the camp, I'm going to get fed twice a day. Three times a day, I would hope. All right. And have uh, at least uh, a blanket and a pillow. Three hots and a cot. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, Anyway, by the late 1930s, about three million Mexican-Americans resided in the United States. L.A. had the highest concentration of ethnic Mexicans outside of Mexico. Wow. I mean, probably still like that, huh? I don't know. San Diego. San Diego, L.A., right? right. Uh, job discrimination in L.A. forced minorities to work for below poverty level wages. Um, I mean, coming here illegal, man. Uh, the Los Angeles newspapers described Mexicans with racially inflammatory propaganda suggesting a problem with juvenile delinquency. So right here, right off the bat, we already got the media. Look at these little thugs right. walking around here, and the kids are nothing but problem and, you know. Right. These factors cause much racial tension between Mexican immigrants and those of Mexican descent between uh, them and the European Americans. I mean, European Americans, Europeanicans. Immigration or uh, illegal uh, crossing of the borders, usually those people are, I mean, even today. Yeah, but what was the immigration immigration rules back then? Uh, I think it was... Could you just come here and be like... Well, the, I want to apply, but still live here. Well, in the forties, you think about how much open uh, borderland it was to come across. So, can't think there was too much immigration policy, right? Well, that, that was not too far off from. You uh, had your major ports in Tijuana. It's not too far off from what early nineteen hundreds when people were, rela- were coming by the boatload over right. to New York. Then none of those people. I'm sure they, they all been. came here and then got um, citizenship. So I'm sure it's the same thing here, huh? Well, I don't know. Something we have to look into. I guess so. <laughs> During this time, L.A. was going through an expansion. Of course they were. The city planners did not plan the expansion very well. <laughs> hey, it's L.A. after all. <laughs> hey, Nothing has changed seems, in 100 years. Seemed like that trend continued <laughs> as it caused disruptions in uh, communal sites, family sites, family patterns of social interactions. Mm. I mean, they're like, what is going on here? Nothing is functional, guys. Nothing's working. Well, here's one stupid thing they're about to do. One major decision that was made was to put a naval school for the Naval Reserve Armory in the Chavez, the Chavez Ravine. Chavez or Chavez? Obviously Chavez. Chavez, Chavez. Chavez-y Chavez. Chavez-y Chavez. 
they wanted to put a naval reserve armory in the Chavez Ravine, which was primarily a Mexican-American area. This would later be a hot spot for the encounters between the zoot suitors and sailors. And sailors. Mm, so you get a bunch of bunch of sailors. Mm. Drunken sailors at that. Coming around. You Mex- know how those mouths are. You know, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you got a mouth like a drunken sailor. Drunken sailor. Lalo Guerrero became known as the father of Chicano music Me. as the young people adopted a music language and dress of their own. Young men wore zoot suits, a flamboyant lawn jacket with baggy pegged pants, sometimes hmm. accessorized with a pork pie hat, a long watch chain, and shoes with thick soles. Right. They called themselves pachucos. In the early 1940s, arrests of Mexican-American youth and negative stories in the L.A. Times fueled a perception that those pachuco gangs were delinquents who were a threat to the broader community. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, the funny thing is... Uh, L.A. Times is now like this big liberal uh, stand up for uh, the minorities right. and all this shit, but they're the main ones that caused what's what we're gonna see about. So, of course they were. I mean, Jeez. and people still trust the media. Mm. Man, well, it was summer. The year was 1942. The sleepy the sleepy lagoon murder case made mm. national loon news. <laughs> national lagoon news. Not only did it make a national news, it made the national lagoon every, scene. Every news. lagoon, every lagoon in the country <laughs> was popping this on at this noon. Was, this, this was, <laughs> welcome to uh, Lagoon Nightly. <laughs> and now for the lagoons across America. <laughs> Anyhow, summer of 1942, the Sleepy Lagoon murder case made national news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nine teenage members of the 38th Street Gang were accused of murdering a civilian man named Jose Diaz in an abandoned, sorry guys, I'm going to do that all the time, <laughs> <laughs> in an abandoned quarry pit. The morning of August 2nd, 1942, Jose Gallardo Diaz, Gallardo, Gallardo. In my Lamborghini Gallardo. Jose Gallardo Diaz was found unconscious and later died in the hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The autopsy revealed that Diaz was intoxicated and had blunt head. I mean, what are you going to do, right? Blunt head trauma as well as multiple stab wounds. Ooh, well, which one did it? Do you think the head trauma did it? And then later on, the stab wounds? If the head trauma did it? Well, ultimately, they could not determine the cause of death. <laughs> I'd say it's a combination of both. Right. Uh, despite the unclear cause of death, 20-year-old Henry Levas and 24 members of what the media termed the 38th Street Gang were arrested for allegedly murdering Diaz. All 38 of them? Uh, 38 I Street. Mean, uh, uh, 24 of them? 24 were arrested. Uh, they suspected that rival Pachuco gang fights were the cause of Diaz's death. In response to the alleged murder, the media began, began a campaign calling for action against zoot suitors. Oh. Look at the media. This whole thing you guys are going to see was specifically fueled by the media. By the media. If the media had never butted their nose in, there, nothing, none of this would ever happen. Right. So. There was there was a, uh, a a war going on in L.A. back in 1943. And the media. Look at the media. It's clearly uh, right. anti- anti-color anything. Right. Anti-Mexican, black, Chinese. Sad. Wow. 10th of August. Police conducted a roundup of 600 Latinos. Jeez. Who were charged with suspicion of assault, armed robbery, and related offenses. 175 were eventually held for various crimes. Wow. Due to, the, uh, due to this roundup of zoot suitors, zoot suitors, many families in the community began putting curfews in place to protect those that they cared. That they cared about from the increasing police presence. I mean, this is like 1960s Detroit. Or Chicago, 1960s freaking New York. Self-imposed family... Uh, Curfews, I guess. I mean, right. Self-imposed, like you guys, 
Dem no, 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 no more street lights. This is uh, dinner time, five o'clock, boys. No later. <clears throat> better be, you better be home before those street lights come on. Not anymore. Gotta do that. Gotta get them home before that now. Yeah, it's true. Any spot of darkness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the resulting criminal trial is now generally viewed as lacking in the fundamental fundamental requirements of due process. 17 Latino youths were indicted on the murder charges and placed on trial. 17. Wow. Like, I mean, The courtroom was small, and during the trial, the defendants were not allowed to sit near or communicate with their attorneys. What? What? Well, wow. Uh, Illegal or not? Isn't there still, like, a rule of law? You have to be able to communicate with your attorney. All right. Well, none of those charges were permitted to change your clothes during the trial by order of Judge Frick at the request of the district attorney on the grounds that the jury should see the defendants in the zoot suits. They were obviously worn only by hoodlums. So they made them wear zoot suits during the trial. All right. Say so this is what these guys are out there wearing, so you know they know each other and fellow zoot suiters. Oh, uh who said these 38th Street gang members were wearing zoot suits in the first place? Well, these guys were, obviously. Uh, were they, though? Or did they give them a bunch of zoot suits and was like, you're wearing this for the trial? Put these on. Right. Like, these doesn't look like... Uh, Those your clothes, boy? No. 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 I don't know. You're the cop. You figure yeah. it out. <laughs> Who's driving? No. No. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> You got an injury yeah. on your head. No. 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 Your intestines are falling out. He's like, no. 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 Good. Every time, I, every time my name was mentioned by a witness or the district attorney, regardless of how damning the statement was, the name defendant was required to stand up. Uh, Judge Frick also permitted the chief of the foreign relations every time bureau. My name was mentioned by a witness or the DA. Regardless of how damning, oh. All right, the guy had to stand up. So they're, jeez, they're just like. Right, just putting these guys on the spot. Making make sure, sure the jury knows exactly what they everybody. look like and what, yeah. And these weren't a jury of their peers either. Oh, right, you know, there were no Mexicans on that jury. Mm -hmm. mm. Judge Frick also permitted the chief of the Foreign Relations Bureau of the LA. What the hell? <laughs> what is Come all on, guys. The F-R-B-L-A-S-O. Jeez, O-P. Farb. Farblasso. <laughs> Farblasso. <laughs> Judge Frick also permitted the chief of the Foreign Relations Bureau of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Office, E. Duran Arias, to testify as an expert witness. Oh, an expert. And he was to testify that Mexicans as a community had a bloodthirst and a biological predisposition <laughs> to crime and killing. Wow. Citing the culture of human sacrifice practiced Jeez. by their Aztec ancestors. Oh. He's saying these guys, you you thought the uh, the Sioux and those guys were savages? No. The Sleepy Lagoon Defense Committee, yeah, their own uh, committee there, uh, was, a, was a community organization made up of Los Angeles community members and activists who came together to support the defendants. Oh, good for them. Nice. The SLDC was also known as the Citizens Committee for the Defense of Mexican-American Youth. That's a tongueful. Um, the committee was labeled a communist front organization by the California State Legislature's Joint Fact-Finding Committee, committee, committee on Un-American Activities, chaired by Jack Tenney. Gosh, these dudes just go right freaking to any length to label these guys as anything like, they can. Right. Jeez, how is this? How is this even getting away? It's the freaking forties. I mean, geez. Un-American Activities, a committee. 
I mean, I guess the 40s. I can't say, oh, it's the 40s. Why is this? Obviously, we know why it's happening. America's always been a fucking corrupt place. Always. That's ridiculous. I knew I never liked California. I don't, dude. California's trash. Right. Always has been. All right. Actor Anthony Quinn writes that he began raising money for the defense after his mother urged him to remember the aches that had been given... They have been given Wait, by. So is Anthony Quinn a white dude? He's going to be the white savior in this uh, situation. It's here? Very possible. His mm-hmm. mother told him uh, to remember the eggs that had been given by a mother of one of the accused defendants during time of poverty. Okay. He writes of enlisting the help of Orson Welles. Orson hey, Welles, and nice. Eleanor Roosevelt. Wow, he's getting some big ballers up in here, and being branded a communist as a result. Yeah, he 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 write wrote to them and listened to the help. I don't right. think either of them helped. No, especially they're... Roosevelt. Right, like we can't do that, you commie. She was the uh, <laughs> she was the president's wife at the time. She wasn't helping on that shit. Come on, uh, let's face it. FDR was probably one of the most racist guys that ever lived. Most likely, and Eleanor is pretty much running the show anyway. Plus, uh, she was his cousin. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they so they called uh, <laughs> Anthony Quinn a, a communist. You communist, you. Anyway, they call him a communist, which ultimately, right. with almost costed him in his career. Mm-hmm. He was like, man, I almost mm-hmm. lost my career. Some SLDC. Dang, man. Like, why has everything got to be abbreviated in letters? LGBTQ plus three. Is that what it is now or something like that? Uh, some SLDC members included Alice McGrath, Josefina Fierro. Oh, damn, that's a hell of a name. Josefina Fierro de Bright. Mm-hmm. Josefa Fierro. Maria Elvez. Luisa. Louisa, 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 Louisa Moreno. Hey, Louisa Moreno. Oh, Oh, it's Moretti. (laughs) Not a Moreno. I thought that was my cousin, huh? Dorothy Healy, Larue McCormick. Dorothy Healy. I've heard that name before. Right. I wonder if Larue McCormick is the McCormick spices now. (laughs) Uh, Lupe Levas, Henry Levas, Doc Johnson. Nice. Right, Doc. Oh, Frank Lopez was there. Bert Corona was there. Oh, jeez. Uh, brought a virus with him. <laughs> and Gray Bemis. <laughs> whatever, whatever, Bemis. <laughs> whatever, Bemis. Whatever, Bemis. Gray Bemis. Wow. Gray Bemis. That's like uh, a baseball name. Right. The SLDC's mission was to mount a civil rights crusade so that these 12 Mexican-American defendants could have an unbiased trial. The SLDC utilized their contacts with influential community members to promote their cause and for fundraising purposes to be able to support their cause. Oh. After Judge Ferks. Fricks. After Judge Frick's verdict in January, the Mexican-American youths were imprisoned without evidence and because they were Mexican and dangerous. Oh. Although there's not very much evidence here, but there's one fact that remains. You're Mexican. You're Mexican. <laughs> therefore, you're dangerous. Very dangerous. 20 years. Right. The Mexican-American community was outraged. Yes, I would be too. Several attorneys challenged Judge Frick's decisions. George Shibley, Robert Kenny, Clore Ware, Ben Margulis, John McTurnan, Carrie McWilliams, and several others. Several others. Together they hope. I'd be hope- pissed if I was several others. Dude. I hate when they do that. <laughs> it's like, those guys. You guys named 13 people and then and several others. Like, just go on and name the other 13 then. Jeez. Jeez. Together they hope to remind the European American society that minorities have the right to testify in court and have impartial jury trials. I mean, dude, they had. They had more fair, tri- fair trials in the West States. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? Right. 
McWilliams noted that a few months earlier, over 120,000 Japanese Americans were detained. Yeah, you gotta remember, this is right in the middle of World War II right now. Right. And this is when, yeah, we right. talked about this earlier. All right. Uh, so these 120, I think it was more than 120,000, though. Eh, well, Japanese Americans, they were detained and interned in detention camps. 120,000 between 120,000 and, <laughs> and 600,000. And, right. and, and later argued that there were common links between the Japanese American internment and the anti-Mexican response in the Sleepy Lagoon case. I mean, clearly. From 1943 through 1944... The state anti-communist Tenney committee. This Tenney guy, man. Subpoenaed and investigated the members of the defense committee in attempt. Jeez. Jeez. He's like, expose these guys as communists. They have communist ties. Dude, these guys, the government's so paranoid of communist ties all throughout. So was Mexico labeled uh, actually a communist country back then? I definitely might have been. I don't think so. Communist. They were definitely under dictatorship. Right. You have somebody. Spain, right? No, Mexico. Oh, when Mexico gets Mexico was a Mexico was a state. Mexican Independence Day is uh May fifth. May fifth of what year? Um eighteen hundreds. Alamo, when was that? Oh, that wasn't the well, year. Alamo wasn't <laughs> independence, but it was around the same right. war. Right, right. So right, 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 you know. Right. Well, in October nineteen forty four, the state court of appeals unanimously decided the evidence was not sufficient to sustain a guilty verdict. Oh. It reversed the twelve defendants' convictions in people v Zamora sixty six cal dot app dot two D one six six. The appeals court also criticized the trial judge for his bias and and oh. mis- mishandling of the case. You think? You think that they should be able to try ju- judges if they knowingly uh, made a decision? I'm pretty sure they could be expelled from the bench. Right, and get disbarred. Yeah. Nice. Idiots. Well, regarding this case, Eduardo Obergon Pegan wrote, uh, many Angelinos saw the death of Jose Diaz as a tragedy that resulted from a larger pattern of lawlessness mm. and rebellion among Mexican-American youths. Discerned through their self-conscious fashioning of difference and increasingly called for stronger measures to crack down on juvenile delinquency. Mm. So you got the news and pretty much the whole entire population that's not Mexican uh, rallying against these guys and saying, right. get them out of here, even though they were here first. Right. I mean, this is this land literally used to be Mexico. So, right. but, but, hey, get them out of here, anyways. Right. With the entry of the United States into World War II in December of 1941, following the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, the nation had to deal with restrictions of rationing and the prospects of conscription. Yes, sir. March 1942, the War Production Board regulated the manufacture of men's suits and all clothing that contained wool. To achieve a 20, 26% cutback in the use of fabrics, the WPB issued regulations for the manufacture of what Esquire magazine called Streamlined Suits by Uncle Sam. Um, could you imagine that? Yeah, paper suits. We've been in a 20-year war in Afghanistan, and they and how if they did how they did in World War II, like they literally right. cut back on any everything. everything. Iron, everything. everything, dude. Shut down everything just to produce stuff for the war. Our economy couldn't handle that nowadays. Pretty sure the uh, every car factory in Michigan was shut down to make right. tanks and jeeps and right. all that enemy weapons and all that stuff. I think dude, the airport MBS airport was turned into like a was MBS there in 1940s or something. Whatever was there was a uh, a weapons manufacturer. Wouldn't surprise me. Dow probably was making stuff for him too. Right. Yeah, man. Our economy couldn't handle that nowadays. You're shutting down everything to make stuff for the war. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's why we have these uh, multi-billion-dollar war budgets now. They do it on their own. Right. 
take the good with the bad. I guess. Uh, the re- regulations effectively forbade the manufacture of the wide-cut zoot suits and full women's skirts or dresses. Wow. Most legitimate tailoring companies seized the manufacture or advertised any suits that fell outside the War Production Board's guidelines. Huh. But the demand for zoot suits did not decline. A network of bootleg tailors. Hey, we got a whole. Uh, Obviously, we're gonna have to do a whole series on uh, bootlegging <laughs> the, the bootleg tailors. Zoot suit bootleggers. <laughs> <laughs> they were based in L.A. and New York. They continued to produce the garments. Use also continued to wear clothes which they already already owned. Of, well, course. of course, what are you gonna give them up? Right. Well, he does, just like the guns. Can't we'll buy, buy these no more. We'll buy, we'll buy back your zoot suits. <laughs> <laughs> we got a zoot suit buyback. <laughs> oh, jeez. Meanwhile, American soldiers, sailors, and Marines from across the country went to L.A. in large numbers as part of the war effort. They were given leave while waiting to be shipped out to the Pacific Theater. Oh, these guys are like, hey, let's go fight those Japs. Right. Uh, servicemen and suit suiters in L.A. were both immediately identifiable by their dress I would assume, obviously. Some servicemen and others in the community felt that the continued wearing of zoot suits represented the use public flouting of rationing regulations. Mm. So now these soldiers are pissed off, but... Look at these guys. They're not doing anything for their country. And right. They come over here illegally. They run <laughs> around our streets and steal and, and holler and stuff in the middle of the night. <laughs> using all of our, uh, using all of our uh, goods to manufacture those stupid-looking suits. And with probably 80% of them are years old. Right. Jeez. Officials began to cast wearing of the zoot suits in moral terms and associated it with the commission of petty crime. Jeez. Uh, violence and the snubbing of national wartime rules. Wow. Yeah, so you know how many uh, newspaper articles back in the day were probably like, uh, say something, see right, something, see say something, something, say something. Report your fellow, uh, <laughs> report your fellow report, zoot suiters. Report the uh, Mexican Americans walking around with a zoot. If you see a zoot suit, call police immediately. Do not approach. Do not approach. <laughs> Subject may be dangerous. <laughs> Jeez. In 1943, many servicemen resented the sight of young Latinos wearing zoot suits after clothing restrictions had been published, especially as most came from the areas of country with little experience or knowledge of Mexican-American culture. Oh, jeez. Right. They're like, look at these guys. They just don't care. They're going out and using material we don't have. Like, no, sir, I had this jacket for... 15 years. Oh, big old thing of dip in their mouth. What the hell is this? <laughs> what the hell? Look non- at these guys. Non-American loving son of a bitch. Damn it. They're not patriots. <laughs> well, we should form our own party. Called Patriot Maga. Party. <laughs> Make agriculture great again. <laughs> While Mexican-Americans were overrepresented in the armed forces, they were not common and respected enough to defuse these tensions. Right. They were overrepresented? What does that mean? Well, Mexican Americans were overrepresented in the armed forces. How do you get over? How are you overrepresented in something? Dang! So there was a lot of Mexican Americans in the uh, armed. I know they're like, we expected way less of you guys to come in. There's a lot of you guys. They're like turning them away, but this is too much. <laughs> this is too handle this. Much. They're wearing zoot suit fatigues and shit. <laughs> That's I guess they're. I guess due to maybe it didn't do. I guess it didn't go into it. But I'm assuming by like population size. I mean that wouldn't be good. The, the percentage of whites who joined the army, you know, was like. I mean, if you're off in Japan or something fighting, and uh, it's early morning, and you're about to go to battle, and the I'm other, sure not one people that other, were in the same platoon with Mexicans, blacks, and whites. They weren't like, oh, this guy's Mexican. I don't trust him. No, maybe there were some. Not but, even that. No. Oh, the enemy would smell the tortillas early in the morning. They'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't think they had to. Get ready for war. <laughs> I mean, I guess they did have tortillas. Have you seen some of the, Well, actually, not back then. Have you Black seen bread. the uh, 
Have you seen the um, MREs from back in the World War II? Oh, man. Yes. There's people on the internet that eat them. Like, all the time. Like, from 1941. They'll open them up, and they all came with cigarettes and stuff. And right. this, this one dude, he all, it's Chesterfields that always came with. And he, it's, he's... Does he smoke cigarettes, too? Yeah, he's like, oh, this is so good. Because they're... they're I mean, most of the stuff's pretty well-maintained and good, except for, like, cheese sauce. A lot of that stuff will be, like, popped open. But yeah. crackers usually are... Biscuits are usually still good. Huh. He's he's ate, like, the meat and stuff that's been in there, and he's been fine. But yeah. huh. now he'll smoke the cigarettes every time. He just... Oh, that's so good. <laughs> nice. All right. He ate the world's oldest piece of chocolate. Um, it was from a Civil War MRE. It was a piece of it was the whitest chocolate you ever seen, but he broke it open. It was nice and black on the inside, and he ate it. It said it tasted fine. Huh. Chocolate doesn't go bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go look him up. I don't know what he's Steve MRE something nineteen eighty nine. Good good guy. Uh, one of the first conflicts between the sailors and the Zoot Suiters <laughs> were August nineteen forty two near Chinatown. Well, that's uh, ironic. Huh? Right? Why are they in, okay? Whatever. The sailors who trained in the Chavez Ravine went to Chinatown on a leave. Sailor and his girlfriend were walking. Do you when, know why they went to Chinatown? I was gonna get some of that pussy. Five dollar no holla. Right. Me so horny. <laughs> Even though that's like Vietnamese. But <laughs> a sailor and his girlfriend were walking when four zoot suitors blocked the sidewalk in front of them. Did they, though? Oh, yeah. The zoot suitors refused to let them pass and pushed the sailor into the street. Did they, though? I mean, they might have. The young zoot suitor and the sailor stood their ground in silence until finally the sailor backed away. Well, Did he, though? Probably. I think all that happened. Well, these suits. I mean, suitors. look at them, yeah. Look at these guys. They're just causing trouble. All right. I'd be wary trouble. of them, too, to be honest with them. Like, what the hell are these guys? They're like 14 years old dressed like that. Right. What the hell? <laughs> Zoot suit fashion found its origins in the urban black scene during the 1940s. It's actually a uh, look from Harlem. Right. Uh, in Chicago and shit. Or uh, New Orleans, wasn't it? Harlem. Harlem? Literally, Harlem. Uh, Harlem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the origins came from uh, urban black scene, 40s. Mm-hmm. Harlem. Mm-hmm. This style of clothing cultivated a sense of racial pride and significance. You know, I mean, this, I don't think this is a racial thing to say, but black people and Mexican people are always the uh, dressed different, the, uh, um, more flashy, flamboyant, flashy right. clothes wearing people. Right. Anyway, so yeah. look at Snoop Dogg. That's fine. He was just on Joe Rogan. Oh, fantastic interview. Yeah. Swear to God, they did a four, three hours and forty six minute episode, and he smoked seventeen blunts. Oh, I'm sure. It's crazy. Nice. Nice. However, However, the fashion statement soon made its way into the wardrobes of young Southern Californian Mexican Americans, Italians, and Filipinos. Huh, Filipinos, too. <laughs> who became the quintessential wearers of the zoot suit. So the uh, the Mexican Americans, Italians, and Filipinos took yeah, it over? Those are the ones. Nice. The transfer and sharing of the zoot suit fashion indicated a growing influence of African American popular culture on the young Mexican, Italian, and Filipino Americans. Hmm. Additionally, additionally, <laughs> analysis of uh, the zoot suit connections with race relations, slang, jazz music, and dance permit an understanding of the politics and social significance of what is trivial in itself, popular culture, and its attendant styles. Right, so it's pretty much a social thing. Right. Some, I mean, they got a... No different than today. Somebody creates a new trend right. of clothing. People are wearing uh, uh, jeans that already have pre-cut holes that you look like a bum in. When, right. You know? Or so, like the 80s and early 90s. Uh, the pumps. The Mexican-Americans had their little... Uh, 
their khaki pants and their uh, their, uh, white tank top with the one button on there. Their plaid shirts. Right, and the one button up. And they wear their little little house slippers. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the stereotypical uh, Mexican look? Not only that, because... um, they wear all the everybody wears that in Boys in the Hood too. Right, it's true. So maybe that was just the L.A. thing. Right. The L.A. thing. I get it. The zoot suit was originally a statement about creating a new wave of music and dress, but it also held a significant political meaning. Did it though? All right. The flamboyant and colorful material indicated a desire to express oneself against the boring and somber slum lifestyle. Okay. Don't know why that's political. Right. Uh, the zoot suit provided young African American and Mexican youth a sense of individ- individualistic identity within okay. their cultures and society as they discovered quote-unquote, highly charged emotional and symbolic meaning through the movement, music, and dress. People don't like different. Why is that political when they're just like, hey, this is what, this is our culture? Because people don't like different. They want you to wear your slacks. Especially in the 40s and 50s, man. Your slacks and your blazer and listen to... uh, What did we look up that one time? Uh, T-shirts? Right. Um, They were commonly worn as undershirts, but they didn't start getting worn until like the... 50s. 50s as like regular shirts, and that was by the Greaser Gangs, I believe. They didn't want to listen to the jazz or the upbeat, the Mexican-style music. They Mm -hmm. wanted the the old-school, whatever it is. Big swing band shit. Right. Ridiculous. Come on, guys. Can't force people into what you like. Right. Anyhow, the suit suit typically included bright-colored fabric, long suit coats that often reached to the knees, wide shoulders, and gathered a and gathered or tapered pants. Mm. Okay. The arm and ankle areas were often much tighter than the rest of the fabric. I get it. It's like a, a, a MC Hammer type deal. His shirt. Much, right. Or his pants. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Right. Much tighter than the rest of the fabric, yeah. Giving the whole look a triangular shape. Often the suit right, was... Right, so from their elbow down, it was like a triangle right. almost. Nice. Mm. Often the suit was paired with accessories such as chains and leather-soled shoes, which were typically worn to exaggerate and prove a point of rebellion, standing against the wealth and status that many of these youths were unable to access due to their economic and racial identities. So, basically, they're like rebellion. They're like, well, you won't let us uh, get the real stuff. I mean, they are real, right? Well, not only that, um, you guys are already looking down on us, so we might as well be different than you if you want us to be different than you. Pretty much. Right. Well, the urban Mexican-American youth often called themselves pachucos. The female parallels were, po- were called pachucas and wore tight sweaters and relatively full flared skirts, often paired with high hairdos, large earrings, and heavy makeup. Yeah, that sounds like them. Uh, many young Mexican-American women who were not uh, pachucas avoided these clothing styles and hairstyles in order to avoid being seen as troublemakers by white people. Some women even reported that they had heard of pachucas hiding knives in their hair. <laughs> what what, I mean, those Mexican chicks, you know what they say. They're slicing dice. Uh-huh. Slicing dice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pachucas formed their own gangs, joined the male pachuco gangs, and carried weapons. This behavior was often said to have been a divergence from the expected feminine beauty and manners Dude, of the middle class. If anybody's class. ever met a Mexican chick, you know exactly uh, right. oh, this is not too far-fetched of something no, they would they be doing. They didn't go far from the Puchacas days. Yeah. Often, for parents of Mexican-American females, the Puchacas embodied not only a dissident femininity, but a threatening, distinctly American identity as well. Mm. So you can tell that these guys are American, but more... Uh, uh, Pachucas. Pachuca American? Can they be all those? They had 
they embodied f- like they were feminine at the same time, but right. they had the American identity, which I would assume is brass, um, not taking shit from nobody. I right. think that was that's what would be an American identity, right? Okay. For some for some young women, the characteristics of the style promoted a sense of social mobility and cultural hybridity. That was expressed through increased interracial ethnic a lot of, relations. Uh, a lot of quote unquote here. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> bilingualism and Pachuco slang. What's Pachuco slang? Uh, probably, hey, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> look, you, look, look what you did to my dog. <laughs> my dog. You hey. fucked him up for life. <laughs> it must be the shoes. <laughs> right. Uh, Pachucas and Chicanas were less referred to in the media, partly because they threatened the gender and sexuality norms that existed at the time. Right. Because even though, oh, they'll respect the women. Right. That's like uh, Bonnie and Clyde in them. They wouldn't put a, they wouldn't pull a, pull or during bootlegging. They wouldn't pull over women and stuff like that. No. Because, uh, or they wouldn't search them because it was against moral, right. ethnic, or uh, eth- whatever the thing, you know. Right. Yeah, when acknowledged, they were regarded mainly as secondary members. So the male gang uh, to the male gang members. Mm-hmm. Many scholars exclude the Pachuca narrative and major events in the Chicano movement. Okay, events like the Sleepy Lagoon incident uh, and the Zoot Suit riots, which we're about to uh, get into, have been described as a boyish fight over a pretty girl mm-hmm. and a brawl involving homeboys. <laughs> However, However, records show that many women also participated in these events and had important roles in shaping their outcomes. Continuing into the end of World War II, Mexican-American women were at the center of much conflict between Anglo-American servicemen and Mexican-American youths. In the weeks before the riots, servicemen reported that Pachucos had been harassing, molesting, raping, and insulting their wives, girlfriends, and relatives. Mm. One local L.A. newspaper included a story of two young women who had been allegedly abducted in downtown and raped in a zoot suit orgy. Zoot suit orgy. Orgy. <laughs> Tear the panties off that girl. Zoot suit orgy. Many of these reports began building up and was one of the major instigators of the coming riots as servicemen had declared that they will take matters into their own hands Uh-oh. since the L.A. Police Department didn't want to do anything. No. Um, on the contrary, though, Horace R. Caton, a writer for the Pittsburgh Courier, 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 attributed Courier. the riots to uh, Courier, uh, attributed the riots to non-Mexican servicemen who he claimed envied Mexican-American male zooters and desired the pretty brown creatures with whom they consorted. That's probably more likely. Right. However. However. <laughs> the press was dominated by the stories, which often, often claimed that loose girls of the L.A. Mexican quarter were responsible for taking advantage of unaware soldiers, soldiers who had money. That's probably <laughs> likely, too. Most they likely. knew these drunken sailors were uh, were down to, down to do some things, so All they right. went and seduced them, stole their money, and got out of there. I mean, of course that happened. There's... There's always been prostitutes, guys. Right. Never going to go away, no matter if you're... Not even prostitutes. There's always been... Right. uh, There's always been those dirty women like that that'll seduce you, getting drunk, and then steal your wallet. Right. Steal your money. Or or kill you. You never know. Or that, too. Right. Following the Sleepy Lagoon case, United States service personnel got into violent altercations with young Mexican-Americans in zoot suits in San Jose, Oakland, San Diego... Delano, Los Angeles, and smaller cities and towns in California. How about we just say California? Right. <laughs> mid mid to uh, Southern California. Right, because Northern California is like woods and stuff. So. Right. Uh, during this period, the immense war buildup attracted tens of thousands of new workers to factories and shipyards in the West Coast, including African Americans from the South in the second wave of the Great Migration. Ooh, second Ooh, the wave. Second wave, huh? Yeah. Nice. The most serious ethnic conflicts erupted in L.A., 
LA is just uh, always, dude, always. Always. Two altercations between military personnel and zoot suiters catalyzed the larger riots. The first occurred on May 30th, 1943, at around 8 p.m., four days before the start of the riots. A dozen sailors, including Seaman Second Class Joe Dacey Coleman, were walking down Main Street in L.A. when they spotted a group of Mexican women on the opposite side. The group, except for Coleman, crossed the street to speak to the women. Coleman continued walking past two zoot suitors. One of them raised his arms, and the sailor turned and grabbed it. Oh. Oh. Why would he do that? Uh, stopping him from hitting him, or if that's yeah, he what he's going to do. He's like, I don't, think so. I don't think so, Pachuco. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> just, the sailor's white. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Ray Romano. On the night of June 3rd. <laughs> 19... <laughs> night of June 3rd, 1943, about 11 sailors got off a bus and started. This is like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> 11 sailors get off a bus. <laughs> Start walking down Main Street. <laughs> Uh, June 3rd, night of 1943, about 11 sailors got off a bus and started walking along Main Street in downtown L.A., encountering a group of young Mexicans in zoot suits. They got into an argument. Mm. The sailors later told LAPD uh, that they were jumped and beaten by this gang, while the zoot suiters claimed altercation was started by the sailors themselves. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit. Right. The right. LAPD responded to the incident, including many off-duty officers who identified as the Vengeance Squad. Jeez, oh, what are they getting vengeance on? Right. The officers uh, went to the scene seeking to clean up Main Street <laughs> from what they viewed viewed as a loath loathsome loathsome man. loathsome influence of Pachuco gangs. Oh, They're so like, dude. so instantly they didn't even care. This whole story so far has been. Um, <laughs> Focus on getting rid of Mexicans. Right. <laughs> they didn't even care what uh, their stories were. Right. They're like, like, well, no, nah, man, these guys start talking crap to us. I'm like, nah, I don't think, I don't think so. Nah. They're sailors. Right. <laughs> they wouldn't do that. <laughs> Come on. The next day, 200 sailors oh, no. got a convoy of about 20 taxis and headed for East LA. Oh, no. Oh, the center of a Mexican American settlement, which still is. The sailors spotted a group of young zoot suiters and assaulted them with clubs. They stripped the boys of the zoot suits and burned the tattered clothes in a pile. They attacked and stripped everyone they came across who were wearing zoot suits. Mm. Media coverage of the incidents then started to spread, inducing more people to join oh, in no. on the mayhem. Man. Oh, we know what's coming next now. They're just ripping clothes off people who are in the streets and burning them. Burning them. Wow. During the next few days, thousands of And these are people in the military. Right. Wow. And I'm sure a lot of uh, citizens as well are joining oh. in. Oh, yeah, obviously. Oh, jeez. During the next few days, thousands of servicemen and residents, yeah, there you go, joined the attacks, marching abreast down streets. Anyway, marching down streets, entering bars and movie. Say it with your chest. <laughs> <laughs> entering bars and movie houses and assaulting any young Mexican American males they encountered. Mm. Dang, not even in zoot suits right. anymore. They're just like, yeah, this dude's got. They a, don't got zoot suits on. Oh this, well, this dude's got a uh, a dirt stash <laughs> and slick back hair. Punch him. Look for the guys with sombreros and <laughs> and what ponchos. The, yeah, what are the things? Ponchos, I think, right? Is it called a poncho? I think so. Isn't that for rain? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's so were they ponchos? I think I they think were, so. right? They had to be. Yeah, anyways, they're not even looking for zoot suiters anymore. They're just looking for, uh, for Mexican Americans. Nobody's white. Males. Right. In one incident, sailors dragged two zoot suiters on stage. Hey, they found a couple of zoot suiters. 
as a film was being screened, stripped them in front of the audience, oh, and then urinated on their suits. Well, it's not too bad. It's pee on the suits. Jeez. Although police, it's not too bad. <laughs> although police accompanied the rioters, they had orders to not arrest any. Oh, what does that sound like? Oh, my. Except for the roles are reversed. Right. And some of the police joined in the rioting. What does that sound like? Oh, no. <laughs> After several days, more than 150 more than 150 people had been injured, and the police had arrested more than 500 Mexican American civilians on charges ranging from rioting to vagrancy. That vagrancy charge, man. Yep, mm. get you every time. Mm. A witness to the attacks, journalist Kerry McWilliams wrote, "Marching through the streets of downtown LA, LA, a mob of several thousand soldiers, sailors, and civilians proceeded to beat up every zoot suitor they could find. Wow. Pushing its way into the important notion motion picture theaters, the mob ordered the management to turn on the house lights, and then ran up and down the aisles, dragging Mexicans out of their seats. Mm. Streetcars were halted while Mexicans and some Filipinos and Negroes were jerked from their seats, pushed into the streets, and beaten with a sadistic frenzy. Wow, Dude, that is just this is an all-out just attack. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, Seems to me, uh, I don't like that. I haven't, uh, <laughs> right? I haven't heard of any uh, uh, big groups of zoot suiters tearing white people out of uh, anything and beating them up. Oh, so like, far, seems like they're well over numbered. Well, yeah, thousands of uh, sailors and civilians. They say, but we don't know. No, don't you don't you take the other side. There's no other I'm side. Not taking the other side, but you don't know how destructive these zoot suiters were, though. Oh. There's really no stories. They could have been. Oh, the Maybe only stories are bastards running around. The only stories are clearly the biased LA Times and all these stupid newspapers that are still. Because uh, yeah, if they were really doing major stuff, they'd be even right. more. Yeah, I get it. They're yeah. still. They're they, just they're that just, same. They didn't is, like that. There's groups of Mexicans walking around. Right. They didn't like that. Expressing their own free will. Right. God, how dare they? How dare they? Uh, be their own people. <laughs> <laughs> that same newspaper, eighty years later, is still. Mass printing, oh, fake news and fake bullshit. Fake news dude. and bullshit. It's just crazy. But it's the it's flipped now. It's like it went from yeah, I don't. It's crazy, crazy. stuff. The local pest lauded the attacks, describing them as having a cleansing effect to rid the Los Angeles of miscreants and hoodlums. <laughs> oh I man, mean, I mean, let's say these guys were some like maniacs or whatever, zoot suiters and all that. Uh, this just, press just. This press just labeled this a cleansing effect. Right. That's while, what I'm saying. While World War II was happening and millions of Jews are getting cleansed right. by uh, Hitler and, and we're the Nazis. And, and we're prisoning uh, Japanese. Right. Uh, and it's okay for us just to walk down the street by the hundreds and pull these people out of uh, and this, this movie is, theaters and uh, rail cars. The, and The U.S. freaking uh, armed forces are doing this. Mm hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm hmm. Um, as the riots progressed, the media reported the arrest of Amelia Venegas, a female zoot suitor charged with carrying a brass knuckle duster. <laughs> a knuckle duster, huh? Nice. With the revelation of female Pachuco's, Pachuca. Pachuca's involvement in the riots led to frequent coverage of activities of male, female Pachuca gangs. The media suppressed any mention of the white mobs that were also involved. Hmm. Of course. Well, literally, they're, they're not going to say anything about Italian. This is literally mirror image of what was happening last summer. Right. Mirror image. Dude. Exact same. Hmm. It's crazy. Right. Except for there was no looting of businesses and stuff in this one. Well, no, that'll come in 1992. Right. <laughs> wow. The L.A. City Council approved a resolution criminalizing the wearing of zoot suits. Oh, geez. 
Wow. How do you criminalize something? It's not a freaking school. Can't right. wear gang colors. You they can't. can't they can't wear zoot suits within the city limits of L.A. with ex- expect with expectation that Mayor Fletcher Bowron would sign into law. Oh my gosh! How can you? <laughs> They're basically saying <laughs> these suits are making these people this way, <laughs> right? They're saying that. These they, these people put on these zoot suits and they, they like gain it. special they powers or Jim something. Jim Carrey from the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking. Smoking. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, as soon as they put on that zoot suit, now they're like Batman. Bruce Wayne and turns into Batman. <laughs> they're like, let's go commit some uh, crime. Pablo turns into, uh, uh, no. And once he puts a zoot suit on, he turns into doesn't um El Pablo. Doesn't Joker wear a zoot suit? Kind of. <laughs> I think it's kind of like a zoot suit, isn't it? Right. It's like the striped fucking thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. That's, like, that's stupid, dude. Councilman Norris Nelson had stated the zoot suit has become a badge of hoodlism. Hoodlumism. I just don't get it. I mean, I, whatever. But yet, wearing uh, KKK hoods and having rallies at courthouses all throughout the United States isn't banned. Or called hoodlumism. <laughs> if anything would be hoodlumism, <laughs> it would be KKK, right? It'd be hoodlism. Hoodlism. <laughs> no, yeah. or- <laughs> we don't want none of that hoodlism right. over here. All right. No ordinance was approved by the city council or signed into law by the mayor. Wow. Mm. But the council encouraged the WPB to like, take hey, we steps. Won't, we won't officially put it on the books, but you guys right. know what to do. You guys like know Biden, what to do. Biden saying, don't worry about the uh, the federal what? judge stopping the mandate. Oh, should I do what I tell you Biden to do? Says, Hey, man, shit my pants. <laughs> what? I wipe my butt. They wipe my butt. Poop. 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 <laughs> poop. I thought, wait, I'm with the poop, not the poop. <laughs> <laughs> but the council encouraged ah, WP. Has anybody done a joke of that caliber yet? Uh, Mixed up with pope with poop? Pope and poop. Oh, yeah, dude, a lot write, of people. We got to write one. Yeah. But the council encouraged the WPB to take steps to curb illegal production of men's clothing in violation of the WPB limitation orders. What is illegal production of men's clothing? I don't fucking understand. Sorry, I'm going to say the F word a lot on this one because this is stupid. They've already done this a few years back. I know. And you can't stop bootlegging stuff. I'm sorry. Curb illegal production of men's clothing in violation. Right. The, the stop, bootlegging stuff. Like, who cares the crap? You can't stop bootlegging stuff. I mean, you had that deal in the 20s. <laughs> yeah. You, you can stop it. You, you notice, uh, you know, Jay Edgar ain't getting involved in this. He's like, yeah, I tried that once. <laughs> I tried that once. <laughs> it worked out for me. So much. No. <laughs> well, the mobs had first targeted only Pachucos. They also attacked African-Americans in zoot suits who lived. Why would you, if you're black and you're living over there and they know, hey, man, they're attacking Mexicans wearing zoot suits. Yeah, Maybe I should not wear my zoot suit. They're probably only the Mexicans. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be a little weary. Uh, yeah, so they attacked African Americans wearing zoot suits that lived in Central Avenue corridor area in L.A. The Navy and Marine Corps command staffs intervened on the 8th of June. Hey, it only took four days, five days. <laughs> right, to reduce the attacks and find sailors and Marines to barracks. They're like, all right, guys. I mean, you got to let them out and have some fun every once in a while. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Can't keep them cooped up like animals. This is what happens. They're ready to go to war. We've got to get them ready to send them over there. Crazy. Ordering that L.A. be declared off limits to all military personnel. Finally, this was enforced by Navy Shore Patrol personnel. Their official position was that their men were acting in self-defense. Sure it was. (laughs) In all reality, they're like, you guys are on leave. We don't give a hell of what you do. Mm. 
They're probably encouraging it. Right. Stupid. Go or, clean up. Or when seat. or when they all came back to the barracks, they were like, "Good job, boys. Good job." Boys. Well, yeah, they probably say, "Hey, this is your time to get ready for uh, right. war." Stupid. Or whatever. Something like that. As the riots subsided, the most urgent concern of officials was relations with Mexico, as the economy of Southern California relied on the importation of cheap Mexican labor to assist in the harvesting of California crops. After the Mexican embassy lodged a formal protest with the State Department, Governor Earl Warren of California ordered the creation of the, the McGuckin Committee, headed by L.A. Bishop Joseph McGuckin, okay. uh, to investigate and determine the cause of the riots. We know what the cause is. Oh. <laughs> In 1943, the committee issued its report and determined racism to be a central cause of the riots. Really? <laughs> really. Further stating that it was an aggravating practice uh, of the media to link the phrase zoot suit with the report of a crime. Hey. There you hey. go. Somebody's go, got guys. some sense here. The governor appointed the Peace Officers Committee of, on Civil Disturbances, chaired by W or Robert W. Kennedy, president of uh, Kenny, president of the National Lawyers Guild. Jeez, they have their own guild. We <laughs> represent the National Lawyers Guild <laughs> to make recommendations to the police. Okay. Human relations committees were appointed, and police departments were required to train their officers to treat all citizens equally. <laughs> hey, man, I know it's the 40s, and we're just now doing this, but come on, let's try to treat isn't people that equally. Like, isn't that like the first paragraph of the freaking Constitution? Yeah. All men are created equal. <laughs> Jeez. At the same well, except for uh, slaves. They were only like a quarter of a person, weren't they? I think so. <laughs> At the same time, Mayor Bowron came to his conclusion to his old conclusion came to his own he's like conclusion. i don't care what all these other guys say right he's like this mm-hmm. is what happened the riots he said were caused by mexican juvenile delinquents and by white southerners <laughs> oh so he's, he's he took the old uh he took the old uh good old boy approach huh <laughs> hey. wow well the latter came from a region in which both overt legal and socially sanctioned racial discrimination held sway i mean it is true they did say that a lot of these servicemen were coming over to california from uh, the mid part of the country where they'd probably never seen a person of color in their life. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I don't know. And you know, a lot of them are Confederate states and not too far from the Civil War, less than 100 years. The mayor said racial prejudice in my city of LA was not a factor. You lie. Racial prejudice in Los Angeles, he's saying. Without these white Southerners coming in, usually without these white Southerners here, we have no uh, racial, uh, we have no racial prejudice in Los well, that's Angeles. Also, but uh, a lie because they were doing right. it before these guys got here. Right. These what, they, they literally had uh, committees and shit making laws. Oh jeez, dude, this guy's a moron. Right. I hope he didn't get reelected. Yeah, he, probably he probably did. did. On June 16, nineteen forty-three, a week after the riots, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt commented on the riots in her newspaper column. She's writing her own column. Wow. Question goes deeper than just suits. <laughs> it is a racial protest. I've been worried for a long time about the Mexican racial situation. What did you do when the actor guy uh, enlisted right. you for help? She's like, nah. It is a problem with roots going, with roots going a long way back, and we do not always face these problems as we should. Ah, uh, clearly. Uh, the L.A. Times published an editorial the next day expressing outrage. It accused Mrs. Roosevelt of having communist leanings <laughs> and stirring race. Dude, L.A. Times is such a fucking trash. Everybody's a communist. Every, everything. Such a trash oh organization my these guys goodness. are, dude. Holy wow, hell. I thought they used the word communist lately uh, now a lot. but uh, Overused. On, I don't even think. Holy L.A. Geez. Times printed the word communist more times than people say it on Twitter nowadays. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, wow. 21st, 21st of June, 1943. The State Un-American Activities Committee under State Senator Jack Tenney arrived in L.A. with orders to determine whether 
whether the present zoot suit riots. Oh, here we go. Here's another common word of the day. Nazi agencies <laughs> attempted to spread disunity between the United States and Latin American countries. What? Don't make no sense. For one, the Nazis ain't even going to talk to uh, Mexicans or Mexican Americans or anything like that. Latin American countries, supposedly. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, Argentina, right? I'm saying, they did, is that Latin American? I don't, I don't think so. Argentina is not Latin American. Are they white? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Let's be uh, Nazis would very well stick stick out in, in a uh, in a Latin American country, right? For sure, if they did indeed uh, flee to which we know a lot did, but yeah, but I don't think Nazis were. No, I just don't see it. Although Tenney claimed he had evidence that the riots were Axis-sponsored, no evidence was ever presented to support the claim. Basically sponsored by... Uh, the uh, Axis powers. Hitler. Right? Axis powers, yeah. But no evidence, as usual. As usual. Japanese propaganda broadcasts accused the United States government of ignoring the brutality of U.S. Marines towards Mexicans. How's that propaganda? I mean, I guess it is propaganda because they're talking shit about the U.S. and making right. themselves look better, but it's not really propaganda when they're telling the truth, is it? I would say so. And they the, but, clearly ignore the brutality of the Marines toward the Mexicans. That's, that's, that's while an indisputable fact. our own people, right? right? Come that's, on. A, that's an indisputable fact. Right. In late 1944, ignoring the findings of the McGuckin Committee and the anonymous reversal of the convictions by the appeals court in the Sleepy Lagoon case, October 4th, the Tenney Committee announced that the National Lawyers Guild was an effective communist. <laughs> like, uh, like, what no. do we do here? We'll just label everybody communists. No, they even got the word national in their name. <laughs> Jeez. National Lawyers Guild was now communist. It's an effective communist front. Right. <sighs> so these guys were communist pushers. The Tenney Committee was like, McGuckin? Well, ma fuck em. <laughs> <laughs> ma fucking. Oh, jeez, oh, dude. This is just blasphemy, this whole fucking episode. It is. Later, scholars generally characterize the Zoot Suit riots as pogrom against the Mexican-American community. Many post-war civil rights activists and authors such as Louis Valdez, Ralph Ellison, and Richard Wright have said they were inspired by the Zoot Suit riots. Cesar Chavez and Malcolm X were both Zoot Suiters as young men and later became political activists. Very true. And that's where we end our episode. Um, the biggest crock of shit episode we've probably ever uh, done. Yeah. That is an embarrassment for the state of California, the California, city of LA. the LA Times. The, um, the uh, United States Navy. Oh, my gosh. The, the Marines. The Marines. Jeez, dude. Oh, Eleanor Roosevelt until later until, years. Well, until uh, the, the, the day after the riot stopped. Right, the she, was, she was like, all right, now I can say something, even though I was requested for help. <laughs> and still got called a communist, so she just done it fucking two days ago. <laughs> no, they should have, right. They were not seized to call you a communist. Oh, my gosh, dude. Literally, that was, that was literally their defense for everything. Well, they're communists. <laughs> That's a communist front. And everybody's like, oh, that makes sense. And then when that wasn't right, they're like, it's the suits. <laughs> it's, the, it's the suits. <laughs> oh, come on. Jeez, dude. Oh, my. I've never seen so much blasphemy in my life. What a, uh, wow. And not one military member was charged with anything or arrested or anything, dude. We started a civil war for less. <laughs> you ain't kidding, right? Like, what the hell just happened in California, dude? California is all has been trash, will always be trash. Oh, my. You Sorry ain't... for anybody that's listening in California, right. but you guys are trash. I mean, this is garbage. Sorry. Or, or mid-southern uh, California. Well, actually, probably all of it. Man. Because then you get up to Oregon and uh, Washington, mm -hmm. and they're all the same. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's some sad news there. That story was just sickening, to tell you the truth. The whole time. The whole time. Just just to see the evidence that we already know, and then all these um, uh, committee members and, and the mayor, and no, I don't care what the uh, investigation <laughs> found. No. no. They just didn't like the fact, like you said, yeah, uh, they yeah, had their own identity. Yeah, people of different color being themselves. And, and they hung out with each other because to, guess what? We hang right. out with each other because we're not getting picked on or uh, worried about getting into a fight. So we're all just going to hang out with each other in a group. But it ain't, it ain't our fault that uh, your women want us, and it ain't our fault that you want our women. Right? It's true. Women always the And we can farm better than you. <laughs> we can work better than you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see how good I edged that sidewalk right there? Let's see you do that. <laughs> oh, man. What a crazy episode. Uh, <sighs> zoot Suit Riot. Zoot Suit Riot. That deserves to throw back a bottle of beer. should throw back a bottle of beer after that one. Um, you guys want more crazy stuff? We got about 40 episodes probably by now locked up in the archives, dating all the way back to the Wild West, Prohibition, and gangs and up till now and we're probably due next week on thinking about probably stay in california and maybe do i think it's the vice lords or the mexican mafia both were around the same time but totally two totally different gangs right both of them formed in the late um 40s so we'll do one of them and then uh we'll get into some gangs for the next few weeks and uh yeah we'll see where that takes us other than that go find us over on uh, Lee and Corey on the case where it's kind of a scripted fiction podcast where we two private investigators go on crazy private investigation cases um, fraud cases just crazy stuff all around just wacky stuff happens and it's sure to be a laugh all good stuff over there that's Lee and Corey on the case wherever you get your podcast and if all voices are done by yours truly yours true well us truly us truly right Um, and then if you're a fan of wrestling which uh and stories are written by us right, truly. Right, right. Fan of wrestling, go check out the Monday Night Warchalon podcast where we went back to the very first episode of Monday Nitro. And um, we watch every main event of Raw and Nitro plus all the pay-per-view main events in between. And we rank them how uh, we are entertained by him and we'll say see who really won the war and that's the right. monday night watch along wherever you guys get your podcast and if our rankings were top notch eric bischoff would not be allowed to have 83 weeks right eric bischoff would maybe be like 22 weeks with eric bischoff or something I like that 22 weeks I, I, I think it was like the second week of 83 <laughs> right. weeks wwf won uh the rankings for us that 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 uh week but right. yeah that's all over there on the uh but in the podcast atmospheres, but WCW is winning right now. They are by a large margin. By a large margin, we are um, just getting into 1998. We are approaching. I think we're at the beginning of December where we where we've recorded, but what's released? Oh, well, you guys, yeah, you guys well, are way back at bad released, blood. I don't. We're bad blood. I think right. We're approaching, or I think we're two weeks out from Survivor Series and the infamous um, Montreal screw job. So. That's where we at, but we've recorded up until December. We're getting into Starcade, Starcade for us. All right, we're going to see Bret Hart coming out pretty soon for Dub's Dub. Mm-hmm. That's all over on the Monday Night Watch Along, wherever you get your podcasts as well. And for Outlaws and Gunslingers, we will be back next week for a brand new, exciting, and probably blasphemous installment. <laughs> we are the Monster Sanders. More race. Oh, no, I guess it would be if it's a Mexican mafia. Oh, I'm sure there's racism. <laughs> <laughs> we're the Mother Michiganders with Bang Dang. <laughs>